From WGCU News, this is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. In recent years, as the social and political landscapes have evolved in this country, the role of higher education and the jobs of its leaders have had to evolve as well. This Thursday evening at 8.30, WGCU-TV will premiere a new documentary called Under Pressure, Changes and Challenges in Higher Education. It features interviews with a variety of college presidents and administrators to get their take on the issues of the day, including how the pandemic affected university operations and topics like diversity, politics, and finding funding. On today's show, we sit down with two of them. Let's hear that conversation now. Dr. Mike Martin is president of Florida Gulf Coast University. President Martin, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you. And Dr. James Cousins is provost and vice president of academic affairs at Kentucky Wesleyan College. Dr. Cousins, thanks for being with us today. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. We invite you to weigh in on today's conversation using WGCU social media. We're both on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, use the hashtag GCL. So, Dr. Martin, broadly speaking, how would you characterize the role of higher education in the United States today? Uh, I think it's, uh, to some extent, chaotic. There's a lot of change going on, in part because of shrinking enrollments. I think COVID set us back. There's kind of a Disinvestment at the public level, because I think in some respects, and I take some responsibility for this as a veteran, the the public has lost some faith in us as a sector, so to speak. So there's a lot of change underway, and uh, I think it'll settle itself out. I still believe higher education is a fundamental investment in the future societies. But right now, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think uh, a little bit of angst out there across the system. Can you talk about the role of the university president, or in some cases, chancellor, just broadly speaking? What is the role of that person in this institution? Well, uh, it's changed a lot in my 50 years, and and I think uh, primarily now the role of the chancellor or the president is to be the external-facing spokesperson for the institution. There was a time when it was largely an internal job. Now it's largely an external job, whether it's private fundraising, dealing with politicians, dealing with sports boosters, dealing with community partners. So increasingly, it's the external part of the institution's relationships that are being driven at that level. And uh, it's changed. I mean, you know, most of us came up to be academics, kind of stick to our discipline, do what we do. And now those of us who have taken on these roles become much more public relations oriented in a sense and much less uh, sort of academically oriented. But that's come with the territory. Uh, Dr. Cousins, you're provost and uh, VP of academic affairs there. Uh, how long have you been in those roles or how long have you been in sort of the upper echelon of, of administration? Yeah, just a little over a year and a half. And prior to this, I, I worked uh, in state institutions, uh, large state institutions. So this is my first time working in a, an institution with under a thousand students. And the pressures that President Martin outlined are, are seen you know, across institutions. And there are over 4,000 institutions of higher learning in the country. Uh, smaller institutions, institutions that have, you know, say less than 3,000 students, in my case, less than 1,000 students, you really see those pressures more acutely. Um, the demographic challenges, the, the political pressures, just the enrollment challenges, those are, you know, what we deal with every single day. And presidents at smaller institutions really face a lot of those critical issues on a daily basis without much of a support staff. 
so and rely on a really small body of administrators to, to carry out a lot of the essential work. So in this new TV documentary that WGCU is premiering on Thursday evening, it breaks uh, the issues around higher education and the way things have changed into these categories. Pandemic, diversity, politics, funding, and future. So we're going to go through those in that order. So in that documentary, Dr. Martin, it's called Under Pressure, by the way, uh, Changes and Challenges in Higher Education. You talk about how navigating COVID may be the most challenging question that has come up in your career. Can you expand on that? Well, I think for one thing, uh, none of us were prepared for it. I mean, I don't care where you've been and what you've done. This was a hard one to have ever had any experience in. So we were making it up here on this campus and across the system, making it up as we went along. And that's uh, always a dangerous thing to do. And, and every day the, the situation changed. We faced continual new information, sometimes new pressures. You know that there are some places where there were deniers that it was really happening and we had to manage around that. So all in all, it was one of those cases where uh, we've never had people experienced enough to tell us how we should conduct ourselves. You didn't know next week what might come our way. And that was a that was an enormous challenge. And we closed, what, mid-March 2020? Effectively, over a weekend, we went from a completely, uh, largely residential to an entirely online campus. And then we come back in the fall and try to figure out how to hybridize that. No one had ever done it, but we pulled it off, I think, nationally, and we certainly pulled it off on this campus. Dr. Cousins, what issues would you say um, COVID brought forth in higher education from your perspective? You know, the interesting thing to me about the pandemic is, you know, the lessons that we're learning now or have learned and what will continue in the future. And again, I mean, you're really kind of testing what we are. There's a lot of institutions that didn't have the same pressures put on them as, you know, many Florida schools did. And I want to be clear about that. So the the relationships that were forged in hurricane season um, really does bind the campus community together. And so when the pandemic came about, when uh, FGCU and many other schools were forced to to close or go remote, they were able to operationalize those same bonds and those same connections. And and that was that was really telling. It was more than just procedures. It was really those personal relationships that a lot of the colleges fell back on. So and I'd say the same thing would go for the the small privates as well. I mean, it was it's an all hands on deck mentality here. And, you know, these the pressures and the challenges that you face daily really came into sharp relief and people really rose to the occasion. Uh, Dr. Martin, you know, one of the things that you had to navigate was there were people who were deniers that COVID was something to be taken seriously, the masks, things like that. There was an emergence of sort of science denialism in general, um, you know, academic denialism in general. The university is sort of the source of all that. Can you kind of weave together that, that concept? Well, it certainly was a case where there was a combination of having to react to what we all believe was real and get those uh, people who didn't want to believe or want to deny that it was real to, to either <laughs> get on board or get out of the way. Uh, uh, James is right. Not only did the system help, the local medical community gave us enormously good advice on the medical side of this. So we knew we always had input from the two big hospitals and others as to what we do about the health and well-being of people while we manage the rest of it. And so all of those things were going on, and we just turned to the experts and said, we're going to believe in science because that's what we do here, and we'll let the politics play itself out. 
Um, the next category in the documentary is uh, diversity. Um, what is the role of the university and at the top the president in spearheading social change, Dr. Martin? Well, I think we are not only an educational institution, we're a role model for the larger society. If we can't model what we believe to be right, then we're probably not as good an educational institution as we ought to be. And therefore, it has always been my view that we need to be a model for positive, significant social change. James will tell you that he's heard many of my spiel many, many, many times. But I have said from the very beginning, from the very beginning of university history, starting in Bologna in about 1088, there's only been one mission of universities. That is to transform individual lives so they'll transform the greater society. That's what we do. And if we miss that second piece... We miss the whole reason why we've established this enormous system of both public and private education in this country and beyond. So, I, And I believe that the president's role is to be a cheerleader for that. And I, I think if you believe in excellence, for example, if you're committed to excellence, then being diverse and having multiple perspectives and styles and backgrounds and perspectives on the campus is essential to a commitment to excellence. And we believe we ought to model that for the larger society. So it's a big responsibility, but it's one that's been around we've learned from. And, uh, and I believe that we try to do that here at FGCU every day. Uh, Dr. Cousins, can you weigh in from a small school perspective on that idea of the role of the university in spearheading social change? Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and every institution, you know, is here for the same reason. We're, we're here to affect generational change to make sure that our first generation students are not the last generation of their family to go through and accomplish what is and should be the, you know, the goal of, of every family, which is a college degree here. We have a, a social responsibility to make sure that, that students are prepared and successful when they enter the workforce. And we have a lot of things that we need to do on campus to make sure that that's possible from you know, uh, a faculty that represents the diversity of our campus to ensuring that our uh, students uh, not only uh, ask the right questions for help, but receive uh, help that they need at every turn. Uh, and I want to say that, that every campus has a role to play in this, large and small, uh, private and public. And those roles may be different. Um, at an institution, a, a small private liberal arts college without graduate programs, our role might be to extend those opportunities uh, far afield and to really recruit uh, and maximize diversity on our campus, where a, a state school also sees those same responsibilities, but has the responsibility also of graduate training. And I would suggest that institution like um, Kentucky Wesleyan College here in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, can do a lot to hire up and, and to train undergraduates for, for teaching opportunities, to get them Im involved in the academic, the research uh, enterprise and so that they will enter the professoriate and then maybe get jobs, either Kentucky Wesleyan or Florida Gulf Coast or institutions throughout the, the country. But we need to you know, represent our students, the diversity of our students, uh, and speak to uh, kind of emerging and really healthy changes within the, the institution. Dr. Martin, you mentioned that the role is to transform individual lives, to help transform uh, the broader society. Um, in some ways, the word transform itself has become politicized. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, a, a force, a political force on the right that would say that, you know, transforming something or progressing towards something is inherently negative. How do you navigate that? Well, um, 
You know, I think language has become more and more important because people will define the terms you use based on their perspective, not your own. And so that's why I think you've got to continue to repeat the benefits of this and, and the history of transforming uh, societies through individuals. And we have many, many, many examples, big and small, local and global. And to some extent, you've got to stick with that mantra. If you allow yourself to get caught up in the argument, then all you'll do is argue about what something means. And that's a good way to get deflected from your ultimate mission. So uh, part of it is just that, sticking to some principles. You and I have had this conversation. You know, One of the things I would argue about my own career is that I was far from the smartest guy to ever take one of these jobs. But I've tried to stick to things that were consistent because at least that way I'm predictable. And, and I can go home at night saying I may be wrong, but I'm consistently wrong. And no one can make the other case. And so I've consistently stuck with the message that I believe in. And uh, and I and those around me and I've defended or or supported their view of this responsibility we have. But if that isn't it, if it isn't to transform and make the society better for future generations, then I'm not entirely sure why we're here. And I would have a hard time getting up and going to work believing that sustaining the status quo is all that it's about, because that. That seems to be pretty damn boring, if nothing else. So uh, we've already kind of delved into the next category, that being politics, but we're going to go there more directly now. So um, I would assume it's fair to say that politics in some way has always played a role in higher education. Um, and you've been doing this for a long time. Is the place we're at now uh, novel or different, uh, maybe a higher degree, or is this just the next phase of when politics dips further into it? I, I think it's a higher degree, no question. I mean, from the days uh, when I started long long, long, long time ago where the universities may have felt the pressure of politics a bit at the margin. No one tried to use the university for political purposes. They may have had conversations about the politics of the university, but they didn't become implements of politics as the way they have become today. And whichever side you're on, whatever side you're on, more and more people use their connected to the university to make some political statement about something else. And that's been disheartening, but I think that also challenges us to stick to what our value system is, even in light of that. And that means taking a beating occasionally under political circumstances. But I think we are collectively, collectively uh, robust enough to continue on. And I think it'll fade. I, I hope it's a phase. I think we're just going through a time in which every forum to make a statement about something that people have in mind for political purposes, whether or not it's for the greater good or individual aspirations, will return us, I hope, to something a little pure about higher education and how a university functions. Because uh, there are those who think we brainwash students. Uh, you look at the history of this place, if that's so, we don't do a very good job of it uh, because we got people on all across the political front out there now in the society making a difference. But it's been an interesting dance to perform. And I'm not sure that everyone's performed as well as they should, but we're going to keep dancing. Uh, the results of the first round of the Intellectual Freedom and Viewpoint Diversity survey were just released. Yeah. I, I understand only like two and a half percent of yeah. respondents, yeah. Um, you know, among students, you know, did respond. Um, is that an example of trying to use the university for political reasons? I think so. I think there's a certain amount of that. Uh, there may have been those who had an intellectual curiosity, 
But that survey doesn't tell you much. I mean, I'm an old statistician from my days as an economist. And that, first of all, the voluntary survey does not meet, as we would say, the central limits theorem requirements. It doesn't reflect the whole population when it's voluntary. There's evidence that a voluntary survey comes out biased because the people who are least happy are the most likely to respond. And then this was a small response. Hopefully, maybe it's a baseline we can go back to again in a little better way and determine what's going on. But I hope it doesn't turn out to be just an extra exercise in affirming the interpreter of the survey, what they already decided before the survey was done. HB7, the Stop Woke Act, as I understand it, FGCU still hasn't really, I don't know if any universities have really discussed how exactly it's going to play out. It's been challenged in court, so it's been put on hold. Um, What are your thoughts on the Stop Woke Act, as it's been called by, and that's not a a name put on it by critics, that is the name of it. What are your thoughts on it and how it might impact things if it does be, you know, fully implemented? Well, I've just written a statement I'm going to try to put out about on our campus about my view of this. And my view is that we've always been an institution committed to spirited, respectful conversations and debates on all sides of important issues. And we are going to continue that tradition. And we're going to continue to respect each other's differences of opinion and in the right way, to challenge each other to be better thinkers and to be better actors in society by listening to one another respectfully and carrying that on. And so what I've tried to say is, well, the legislature can pass whatever they want, but we already do that here. And so uh, let's everybody reduce the temperature. Let's not get uh, too wound tight about this, because I believe this has always been the way we've done it at this institution, contrary to what others may say. My concern is that the perception will now cause people to back away from that conversation for fear of some sort of retribution. And that's the biggest fear I have because uh, I do think that there's a lot of angst out there. We'll see what, I think it's uh, Mark Walker is hearing it as the federal judge in Tallahassee. I think we'll see what, what Judge Walker says about it and where it goes from there. But I'm gonna continue to argue at every turn that we are a place where we actually embrace diversity of opinion and we always have and embrace diversity of political perspective, and we always have. And therefore, it's an interesting piece of legislation that only confirms what we already do at an institution like this. So you wouldn't say then if it is fully implemented as written, it wouldn't change things that happen on campus now and you know make them not things you can do anymore? Well, I fear that that's where people will react to it. And that will be individual decisions that back us collectively away from our mission. And I do worry about that. Uh, but I hope I can continue to be the person at least willing to stand up on behalf of us all because I'm sort of impervious to any beatings I can take, at least politically, uh, and say, no, 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 we always have done that. The need to pass this legislation may need to be aimed some other place, but not at least the system in Florida in this institution specifically. So everyone, go out and be bold, do what we do, challenge one another, be respectful in that process. But let's not back away from important topics. Uh, Dr. Cousins, has there been any uh, you know, political pressure or however you want to characterize it put on colleges and universities in Kentucky that are all along the same lines of what we've seen in Florida? Well, you know, I mean, in different ways. And I just want to you know, comment on something President Martin 
said there, and he said a lot, uh, was really important. That, you know, the misperceptions of higher education, um, I think every institution across the country is really dealing with those. And students and parents, and guardians alike, come to, to school sort of preloaded for controversy, uh, depending on what they see on the news and whatever direction they see it is. It's become sensationalized. Um, you know, we're, we're teaching um, students to be, to be Marxists or radicals in either direction. Uh, and that's just simply not the case. I mean, as an, Amer as a, an American historian, there's a reason why I you know, studied American history, devoted my life to it. You know, our general education you know, curriculum is, is really, in all our curriculums, are about critical thinking. And that's intellectual empathy, intellectual integrity, intellectual perseverance. And that's what we're trying to teach. Our prime objective is critical thinking so that students leave the institutions better able to think for themselves, to research important questions and pursue things that matter, not only to themselves, but to society. You know, one of the unfortunate consequences of becoming so politicized is that we've lost sight of that. Really, and, and in the main, what higher education tries to do, colleges and universities alike, is remain these, you know, autonomous units within a sort of a three-legged stool where you have industry, government, and, and higher education. And each one is kind of needs to be sort of jealously protected uh, in that autonomy. There's real strength in that. Um, and, you know, remaining kind of autonomous units that act independently for the good of the whole. We are not isolated from the kind of political, uh, you know, groundswell or larger national movements that we've seen um, in Florida um, to greater or lesser extents. But, you know, I think Florida is seen as a bellwether now because it is so out in, in the public's eye and we're you know, going to respond appropriately. But along the same lines that President Martin you know, outlined, uh, we're going to defend what we've always done, what we hope to always do, which is to defend the rights of uh, faculty to teach what they want, what they're passionate about for the betterment of the students. Um, Dr. Martin, we don't have a whole lot of time, so I can't let you go on too long about this. But how has what we've just talked about you know, how does it impact, you know, funding? You know, you're asking people for money in a more <clears throat> polarized world, and it's got to make it harder, I would think. Oh, I, there's no question. And, you know, I, I have this fascinating thing that we get from time to time. I get vitriolic emails from people who will tell me they will never contribute again to FGCU, only to discover that they haven't ever contributed in the past. But this is a threat we hear. I do think it's it's made it a little more difficult. I think we've had to defend certain practices that we wouldn't have otherwise had to defend. I will say this for the our donors and for our political leaders in this region. They've been remarkably generous through all of this because they are people that you can engage in the real conversation. They get less... Uh, radical in either direction. When we come back to the notion that our job is to serve our students in this community in the best way we can, everyone has an opinion about what that is. But I think we've done pretty well. Still, I still hear from folks who uh, are unhappy about whatever it is they perceive we're up to. Almost always the perception isn't quite reality. And it takes a little more time, and sometimes you just got to walk away and say, look, I'm not going to persuade that person. It's not going to let me put my effort elsewhere. But I, as James said, if you continue to return to the experience that almost everyone around here has had in their own college education, ask, did you feel as though you were under pressure to be politically in one direction or the other? And you press them on it. Most of them say no. I said, so why do you think things have changed? Why do you think it's different now than when you were at Harvard or Yale or, or Michigan or University of Florida? 
And so you return to their own experiences to try to get them to explain why they think it's different. But it's it, – it, and, and just coming back to your earlier point, I'll just say this, and I remind people this all the time. Two of our founding fathers founded universities. Ben Franklin founded Penn, and Thomas Jefferson founded the University of Virginia, in effect. And if you go back and look at the history of those foundings, they did it because they believed a progressive democratic society could not continue to advance without an educated populace. I still believe in that. They believed in that. Anyone who believes in the the founding of this country ought to go back and review what the point was because we're still on that point. And uh, But it's it's an interesting challenge now. I'll be much more uh, uh, watching from the stands fairly soon. But I intend to also where I can be outspoken because I believed in it for all these years and I'll believe it until they take me away. Uh, last question, and I'll give you a chance for final thoughts, Dr. Cousins. But, um, you know, FGCU is on the search for a new yeah. president. I'm sure there's probably not much you can tell us in the way of details because it's a fairly closed process yeah. from what I understand. You know, what do you hope that we find in a new president? Well, certainly I think we're entering the next great era of FGC. We've got 25 years of remarkable development behind us. And this is kind of a, not a turning point, but a significant jumping off to think about what we're going to be next or how we're going to be. So I hope we find, and I understand there's a very large interest in this job, more so than most, that there's well over 100 applicants or accepted nominations, which is remarkable. I think it tells you something about the desirability of place. I was asked by the consulting firm what I thought the most important characteristics would be. And I said, I believe, maybe people will differ, that you need someone with a strong academic background who can serve as a role model and to some extent kind of a, a pressure point to continue to up the ante in terms of our academic excellence. And we need someone, just as we were discussing, who actually enjoys and is capable of engaging the larger community because the community is incredibly important to this place. You can see it in the way the place was built, by the community building buildings and starting programs. And I believe they're out there. So I'm, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to stay out of trying to be any way other than um, supportive. Uh, what are you going to be doing in your second retirement? Uh, I'm going to spend more time being grandpa. Uh, I've got a couple of projects. I've got about two or three papers. You, know, you never stop being an academic no matter what you do. I've got about two or three papers half done. And I'm going to try to enlist a couple junior faculty to join me in finishing a couple of these half-baked things and see if we can both get another publication or two. Uh, and I'm just going to spend some time reflecting on a long career and, and how lucky I've been, how incredibly lucky I've been to start where I started on a small town in northern Minnesota. I've told people this. We didn't have indoor plumbing till I was five. Uh, it was a great, you know, even at five, I noticed the difference, actually. Uh, and how, how I've been the beneficiary of so many good breaks and so many good colleagues. I'm just going to spend a little time thinking about that. I need to reflect on how lucky and how fortunate I've been to have the adventure I've had in public higher education. Uh, Dr. Cousins, I'm going to give you the last word. We're going to circle back to, you know, being under pressure. You're relatively at the beginning of your your arc that uh, President Martin was just describing being at the end of. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the state of higher education, where we are today, and where we're going to be heading? Well, I want to comment on what President Martin said, and, and yeah, an arc unlike President Martin's, <laughs> uh, you know, President Martin will, you know, he casts a, a large shadow uh, in a good way, a good shadow. <laughs> you know, he helped create a culture at FGCU that is really palpable when you get to campus. It's, it's felt very optimistic, 
forward thinking, very positive energy on campus, um, really united in common cause around things that matter most. And it was a it was an amazing opportunity to mentor under President Martin for the time I had with him to experience his long career uh, through his eyes and, you know, um, really just understand higher education from his perspective. So I'd like to see this project as kind of a start of a memoir that President Martin really needs to <laughs> write. I hope one of those projects is is a full length monograph of his experiences, which really are, you know, span not only generations, but institutional types and this evolution. We you know, started talking about this project months ago, you know, as kind of imperial presidency and the kind of turning over. And, you know, that's where, uh, you know, I, I really liked the documentary. I think it captured that higher education is at this sort of inflection point. You know, all the pressures that we talked about in the documentary and today, President Martin has seen kind of evolve throughout the decades here. And we talked a little bit about politics and some of the demographic shifts you know, obviously social justice is a major issue, enrollment declines, the competition is another huge one. There's so many issues facing higher education, but it's it's about how we move forward in those lessons. We're all in the process of becoming something different and really strongly, there is no substitute for strong leadership and a president to help navigate those waters. I think we can all aspire to be President Martin and, you know, kind of lead from the front, but the environment needs to be there for us to be effective. All right. Well, I want to thank my guests. Dr. James Cousins is provost and vice president of academic affairs at Kentucky Wesleyan College. Dr. Cousins, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And Dr. Mike Martin is president of Florida Gulf Coast University. Dr. Martin, great to see you. Thanks, Mike. The new WGCU-TV documentary, Under Pressure, Changes and Challenges in Higher Education, premieres this Thursday evening at 8.30 p.m. It will be available on our website, wgcu.org, after the program airs. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Tara Calligan and myself. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Tara is also our social media coordinator. Now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is NPR for Southwest Florida, WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, and WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We're a member-supported service of Florida Gulf Coast University.